Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Today we have a monumental day, the most correspondence we've had on at one time to talk about top 50 lists. That day is today. I have three correspondents, starting with Andrew Rhodes, who is going to be our Angels correspondent, joining us right now. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Fantastic. I'm very, very excited tonight. We're going to we're going to try some new things. Um, but Andrew, uh, you're the you're our angels guy. Do you uh, want to share out your Twitter li- uh, handle so people can follow you in, in case they, they haven't been, which is just a travesty? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can follow me at uh, um, a underscore road seven seven. And I tweet about angels and all sorts of topics. I tend to keep it light and funny if I can. Oh, well, the pressure's on for you to be funny tonight. It is Friday <laughs> night, and we're ready for some humor and some baseball. Uh, also joining us, Jeremy May uh, for the Oakland Athletics. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? Go ahead, give your Twitter handle as well. All right, man. Uh, Twitter handle is at jmayfam, and that's spelled J-M-A-H-Y-F-A-M. And yes, I try to be occasionally funny however my sarcasm gets a little lost sometime through media so i hope that doesn't happen tonight well we won't spoil anything but uh your farm system that's kind of it's kind of funny looking right now with the uh anyway we'll get into uh, it uh i'm gonna have to i'm going to defend the a's honor tonight oh i love it and last but certainly not least is michael richards with the seattle mariners who uh you know couple of prospects have graduated recently, but the, man, they are still loaded there in Seattle. Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Alex. Thanks for having me on. It's my first appearance on the podcast and excited to talk about the Mariners. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at MPRichards1981. And besides the Mariners, I also cover a lot of fantasy topics and all sorts of levels and different teams. So I uh, hope to catch you there. Awesome. Well, welcome aboard. Again, we've never had this many top 50 uh, list guys on at one time, so it just doesn't make sense to me to do it the old-fashioned way where we talk about each system kind of back-to-back-to-back. These episodes have been running long anyway, so what we're going to do today is sort of a law and order, um, and I'm in my back of my mind, I'm thinking of that office episode with Michael Scott doing the improv and he's like bomb 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 you know so we're gonna put you guys on trial you'll be the expensive lawyers I'll be the uh suave judge with the I, w- I would wear a wig as a judge I think I would definitely be a wig judge guy I'd go old school but I'm gonna judge you guys on your ability to defend your prospects and uh, decide which one I should pursue if I were in a dynasty league situation before we do that, though, we do have two teams, if you'll notice, in the AL West that we are not having a correspondent on with. And, of course, that's the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. So, gentlemen, let's get started with those two systems. Get them out of the way. I'm sure you guys are anxious to talk about the Astros. You guys love the Astros. Um, we're actually quite lucky that our correspondent probably couldn't be on here. I don't know if you would have been well welcomed, but... Um, that being said, let's be honest, these prospects here in the Astro system had nothing to do with the scandal or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, that's that's in the past now for this 
minor league system. So it's interesting to say the very least. Um, this is by Lamar Gibson, a, a newer correspondent for us here um, for Prospects 1500. No tier one guys, and I can't say that I particularly am surprised, although you don't have to shake my arm too hard to tell me that Pedro Leon is a tier one guy. So what do you guys think? I mean, let's go around the room. We'll start with Andrew. Uh, tier one or yay or nay for Pedro Leon? I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have to say nay. I I think he's just not a good enough hitter to be um, tier one. Let's go to Jeremy. What do you think? Yay or nay? Uh, a nay for me as well. Haven't seen enough yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he is 23, um, so it's it's weird that we haven't seen enough from him. But you're absolutely right. And then Michael, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna agree with the other two or do you are you going to give me a change of pace here no i agree with them i mean i do think he's their top prospect but looking at the full picture i, w- I would stick him at the top of tier two if i was doing the astros list as well yeah i mean i i'm going to if i had a gun to my head agree with you guys as well but it, it i'm sure if he was on here um he, he could probably convince me if he wanted to just because the fantasy profile does mix pretty well for what we're looking for now if that's an all-star at the major league level versus a dynasty we can have that debate i think he's going to be a really good fantasy asset and he's interesting and he's you know what we we i don't know about you guys but in the lists you know a lot of people are taking proximity to the majors into consideration his proximity i mean he's going to be up next year i'd imagine i mean somebody can correct me if i'm totally off base there but i think he's going to be up pretty soon and making an impact for the astros so definitely i mean clear cut number one prospect for sure yeah um anybody here love jeremy pena i don't get it with him um i've seen some lists that are just like top 30 top 40 overall prospect for jeremy pena um that seems crazy to me he wouldn't crack my top 150 i don't think 24 year old shortstop um anybody in here think that he's a top 100 guy No, I don't. No. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I can make a case for it. I, I just because of how close he is, the proximity, the power, speed, the position. You know, he might be the guy who actually takes over shortstop over Pedro Leon because I think he's a better defender. We just haven't seen a lot from him, but he was he looked really good at the end of the season. I, I personally wouldn't have him in my top hundred, but I I would have him as the number two prospect in the organization. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think. Definitely the number two guy on the system. Um, to me, there's a, a quite a gap between Pedro Leon and Jeremy Pena. If I was drafting, uh, I think multiple rounds difference that I would I would jump at Pedro versus Pena. Um, and then after in tier two, still we have Corey Lee, a nice looking catching prospect, uh, Hunter Brown, a right-handed pitcher, and Jose Siri, who we saw in the postseason at 26. Seems like it's a, a little bit of cheating to have him on the list here, but alas, he still has that rookie eligibility and he's, he is very fast. Uh, I don't know if he can hit at the major league level, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're those guys, I don't know fantasy, uh, fantasy wise, how valuable they are. I think in real life, those are really good role players to have Corey Lee, you know, at worst as a backup catcher, Hunter Brown as a rotational piece and Jose Siri as a fourth outfielder. And these are worst case scenarios. You definitely could have 
a lot worse. Um, am I off base? Anything uh, with saying that? Do you think Jeremy um, or do you think that one of those guys can maybe be a, a hidden gem? No, I think you're pretty well right. I think a lot of these guys below Leon are like better real life than fantasy probably. Uh, I think Corey Lee, the thing that would only thing that would jump him up for me is if you're like in a two catcher league, um, sure. that might, that might jump him up just because, you know, he's probably going to be the guy at some point. So there's always that, um, you know, he's good defensively. So, you know, he's going to be probably the guy once he does come up. So that, that may jump him up just a little bit, but now I agree, man. I think everybody else is kind of, you know, better real life than fantasy type guys. This, yeah. this, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. I was going to remark on Hunter Brown. Um, you know, like he definitely is more of a reliever, like a high end reliever than a, than, um, a, a starter. And it, it seems like he uses mostly his two and four seem to get by. And I could see the profile turning into a closer in his almost in a sense, like in the, I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember Ernesto Fieri, but even then, it's, that was like a year or two to get by before he kind of fell off. So, I think that this system reminds me a lot of another system we did just recently. That's the Chicago White Sox. This is clearly a team that has a major league roster that is the envy of most of the teams in the league. And these guys are, you know, kind of being groomed to be that complimentary piece. I mean, Jake Myers comes to mind right now as a guy that, you know, would have been on this list uh, last year and then came up right away and a superstar no but a guy that could definitely fill in for an extended period of time if something were to happen to a Correa or a Tuve or a Maldonado behind the plate or whoever it may be these guys are going to step in they're not necessarily impact dynasty assets although I do think no. the system has some and we can find those in tier three now they're no sure things but to me Alex Santos is a very, very intriguing army. I mean, he's super raw, he's super young, and he's very, very far away, but I really do like his stuff. And another guy that, um, you know, can find his way into a lineup here is Joe Perez, who at AA was, um, or I mean, he made it up to AA, I should say, combined for 80, uh, 18 home runs, 34 doubles as a 22-year-old. Uh, I think he has a lot of fantasy potential as well on this team. And if you're putting a guy that's getting full plate appearances on a roster as solid as the Astros, there's some value there. So, um, Michael, anybody else here in uh, besides those two guys that catch your eye in uh, Tier 3? Well, tier 2, I'm sorry. Personally, I do agree with you on Joe Perez. Uh, he caught my eye this year, and I, would, I personally would have him ranked a little higher on this list. Um, tier 3 also, Forrest Whitley obviously catches my eye. If he's ever able to stay healthy, which is becoming less and less likely, but uh, that that still catches my eye as a potential player down the road. And one other guy is uh, Yanir Diaz, a catcher prospect. He did he did really well last year. I mean, he had put up big numbers, but he was a lot older than the typical player's level. So I'm a little suspicious of that, but worth keeping an eye on for sure. Oh, Forrest Whitley. Couldn't we talk about him? For a while, I mean, as a as the Padres correspondent, him and Mackenzie Gore, the two guys that three years ago, I mean, you were ecstatic to have those two. Um, it's just a, a friendly reminder that, um, although I don't really believe this, but there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. Uh, does hold true because I mean, in milliseconds, it seems like we have a guy that was you know top ten, and now we're not even in the top ten of his own system. 
So, um, I mean, I, you know, Andrew, I think you're the guy to talk about this as the Angels guy, and basically all of your prospects are pitchers. Uh, yep. Forrest Whitley, it, I mean, is this a good lesson to not invest, or should we sort of just, you know, you got to have pitchers in your dynasty league, so you just take the gamble? Uh, I would say take the gamble, in all honesty. I think pitchers are incredibly valuable, and I just be cautious on – I'd really check their injury history and be careful with that. You know, if they're, they've shown durability or if you look at the um, delivery and you understand the delivery that, that it's not really a risk, I'd, I'd be more inclined to be okay with those guys. Um, and then you got to look at the workload too in college. I think the workload in college kind of definitely plays a factor in, in uh, their future health. Yeah, I mean, good luck if you're trying to predict injuries with these pitchers. It seems like sure. it's the random dart throw. Um, but these nagging injuries, I think that was a big giveaway. I mean, hindsight's 2020 with Forrest Whitley. But there yeah. was a lot of like little things that just sort of you didn't like to hear. And it's obviously <laughs> gone all the way up to that uh, TJ, uh, Tommy John surgery. So, Eventually, so, um, Andy's had a shoulder injury, which are scary to begin with. Yeah, I mean, you just I mean, you just don't want to see you want no news. You just want them to go out there like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Grayson Rodriguez and just keep going every fifth day and, and keep pitching and just be that guy. But um, um, let's let's go ahead and move on here. I mean, I, I, I there's still some guys that are intriguing. I like Colin Barber at 20, although he just had a, a big injury as well to sort of derail his 2021. I, I liked him coming out um, a few years ago. Um, otherwise. Uh, you know, not a not a huge lot of guys to take a, a lotto chance on down here. So uh, let's move on to another system here, the Texas Rangers. I mean, the Rangers are so fascinating um, with what they were doing in the offseason pre-lockout. And that's signing Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, John Gray. And yet they still have all these prospects that they were acquiring during the season. Um, a lot of Yankees prospects, thanks to Joey Gallo. <laughs> But uh, still, a couple of guys that uh, definitely have ascended into some elite prospect status, I'd, uh, I'd say. And I want to take a chance to uh, ask you, because I think this will show the audience a lot about where you stand. Because to me, the, there's a clear number one prospect in this Rangers organization, and it is not the guy that's listed number one on our site. But I'm very intrigued on what you guys think. Okay, And that is, of course, Jack Leiter versus Josh Young. Two tier one prospects. I don't think anybody's debating those are probably both tier one prospects, but that order is what I want to debate. To me, Josh Young is the number one in the system. What do you think, Andrew? Who's number one for you? Uh, it's Josh Young, but I don't generally put pitchers into tier one unless they're aces. Unless you know for like you're almost 100% sure you're going to get an ace. Because getting it as an all star as a pitcher is far more difficult as it, than a hitter. So do you think that it's more what you just said, that you don't think Leiter is the ace or that Josh Young is the better player? Because it kind of sounds to me like you just wouldn't put – I don't know how high you are on Young, I guess, is what I'm asking. Oh, I – I, looking at Young, he just – I think he's the complete package. I I said it before on on Twitter, but uh, I like the Texas Rangers system better than – another system in this division that has gotten a lot of notoriety 
And a lot of it has to do with, I think Josh Young could develop into something special. Like, be a great hitter at the major league level. Yeah, I agree. I think he's he's fantastic. But uh, let's see what the rest of the group here thinks. Jeremy, what do you think? Lighter or Young, number one? I got to agree. I got to go with Jung. I mean, you know, th- th- this guy probably was a foot injury away from not even being on this list. Um, you know, had he been able to stay healthy, he probably would have already called up and maybe has that bats in already. So, I mean, of course, I always go hitter over pitcher. So that's probably my my take on that. But, I, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. I think Jung, but I can't fault anybody for lighter. You know, if, if lighter is your guy, then that that's that's good, too. Yeah. And Michael, what do you think? Clean sweep or are you going to? No, I I agree. Also, I, I do think Jack Leiter has, you know, top pitching prospect potential. Like, I I'm not scared of the size or anything, but it's a combination of the hitter, hitter versus pitcher, proximity to the majors. Um, and just and just in Young's uh, just growth, I guess, like I, I he's he's turned into more of a, a guy that I think could be a top third baseman. When before I kind of saw him as a mid-tier guy, and mm-hmm. now, so I, I'm a believer in him, and he's definitely someone I would put over Jack, Jack Leiter right now in dynasty leagues. You know, and we don't have, of course, I mean it's not fair because we don't have Jake on here. I tried to get everybody on, of course, it's just so hard to do. Um, but I do think that there there is something to say about Young, and uh, you know, a complete hitter is is one thing, but a complete fantasy player might be another because young is not going to steal bases for you. Um, and he might eventually, you know, head on over to first base and stay there. I think he'll stay at third for a while um, or even the outfield. I think he, he might even move to the outfield to be honest, but there is, you know, a big, a glaring weakness in his game fantasy wise. And that is the stolen bases. I think Jack Leiter has uh, the fastball. I, I, I think the fastball is there. I think it's gorgeous. It's the secondary pitches. I mean, what's to say that he doesn't get into these this Texas Rangers system and and something just clicks with his secondary pitches? If he has a secondary pitch that is also plus, would you guys change your mind and put him number one? I wouldn't. I mean, just because I don't think he's going to be close enough to the majors. I mean, it's a com- like I said, it's a combination of things. I'm just high on Josh Young as it is, mm-hmm. and he's going to be in the majors this season. And even if Jack Leiter takes a step forward, like I'm as high on Jack Leiter as I can be on a pitcher that hasn't pitched in the pros yet. True. So I just think it's the the combination of everything combined that wouldn't he'll be Josh Young will be off this prospect list before I would consider jumping him, jumping later over him. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think I don't know how much Jack Leiter is going to actually develop in the Ranger system. I think he could he. I think he's got a great pedigree of family uh, that will teach him all he needs to know. And I, I think he went to Vanderbilt, which is, I mean, we know what, what type of program Vanderbilt is for college uh, baseball. So I just, I don't think he's going to learn all that much more in the, in the pros. Yeah. I mean, Vanderbilt's seemingly a minor league team. I will say this. I do have a brother-in-law that actually played for two organizations, the Twins and the Rangers. And he did say the Rangers are much more experimental, willing to try new things. So sure. I, I wouldn't put past them to unlock something with Lighter. But again, it's hard to bank on that. And if, again, gun to my head, I do think jo- Josh Young is... I mean, I have Young in like my top 20, I think, overall. Like I, that's how high I was on Young. Um, 
and we just need to see lighter. I think if that's that would be the the easy thing. And what you said, um, Michael, about the fact that we won't even have a chance, right? I mean, Young's going to potentially be the opening day starting third baseman for this team. We're never going to have a chance to debate this, but it's an interesting combo. I think if we were to have um, Jake on the podcast, he would say it was extremely close. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think there's any doubting that. These two are just really, really good prospects to head up a system. Um, we spend a lot of time on that, but I think it's a pretty, uh, you know, controversial take. I don't want to say controversial, but I think it's an interesting point to touch on even for an extended amount of time. Um, but there are some interesting prospects here in tier two. Um, and I did want to mention those Yankees prospects that got introduced because I think if you're a Rangers fan, you know, you're Cole wins, you know, you're Justin Foscue. I mean, these guys have been there for a, a little bit. You even saw Sam Huff in the majors in in 2020, but, uh, you have Ezekiel Duran, you have Josh Smith. Um, and we can't forget either, um, Mr. Dustin Harris, who was, uh, one of the biggest pop-up prospects in 2021, all the way down at tier three, number nine. And I would love to hear that because honestly, um, for me, I don't know about you guys, and I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, I don't know much about Dustin Harris. I'm going off of a lot of what other people are telling me and that he is uh, awesome. <laughs> so for me, I, I I didn't get to take a look at him as much as some of these other well-known prospects that you know are coming out of college or we've seen drafted highly. So um, he must have something on Dustin Harris where he's not quite ready to jump him up into tier two. But what do you guys think? Uh, let's start there with Dustin Harris and we'll move to those Yankees prospects. Um, let me get your thoughts, Andrew, on what you think about Dustin Harris. Um, you know, it's hard to say because there are times where you see a prospect just pop up and then they go away. Right. That we had this recently in our system where um one of our top prospects uh Deshaun Knowles was really high had a great season and then he's not really repeated that so I can understand him putting him in three just because maybe he's like show me again you didn't you hadn't shown me this before and I want to see it again before I actually start pushing you pushing up the list his speed was interesting, too. I don't know if you guys realized how many stolen bases this guy had. I mean, he's he's probably a first baseman. <laughs> he's out there um, stealing 25 bases. To, to me, there uh, – I'll go to you next, Jeremy. There were three major pop-up prospects for me that just had insane seasons. Anthony Volpe, Dustin Harris, and then Gasper's bo- uh, boy, Joey Reamer. And they all have different values. Like, Volpe's – now a consensus top 15, I, you know, is that because he's a Yankee or, or because, you know, what he did? Um, Dustin Harris and Weimer had just insane years. But, you know, you'll see Harris in the 50s and then you'll see Weimer and breaking maybe 90s and 80s. So three guys that all had sort of these pop out seasons out of nowhere, um, but they're all ranked much differently. So I'm interested, Jeremy, on your thoughts on kind of those three names and then specifically Harris as well. Yeah, well, if we want to start on Dustin Harris, there's one key uh, line on him in the write-up that makes me sad, that he was a shrewd addition from the A's, which is my system. So that's kind of sad that I didn't get to talk about him in my write-ups. Um, but yeah, man, you're right. All three of these guys just like blew up this year, especially Volpe. I mean, gosh, in Dynasty Leagues right now, I mean, you, can, you can't touch that guy in trades and stuff right now. I mean, these you're right, man. These three guys just jumped up and I agree. It does make you leery. Um, anytime you see a guy all of a sudden that, that just 
pops up out of nowhere. But I think we have to take into account, too, I mean, the lost 2020 year. I mean, we don't know what that did for these guys. I mean, you don't know if, like, these guys spent that time changing part of their game or, you know, like with Dustin Harris, the change in organizations may have even been, you know, the 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 spark he needed. So, yeah, I, I do agree. It's, it's, it's interesting uh, when you do see a guy pop up and you kind of side-eye it a little bit. Um, but, man, uh, these three guys, you're right, have just exploded this year. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think what I'm leaning towards after hearing that is let's give them the benefit of the doubt as a, a lost 2020 could have had substantial effects. Yeah. I mean, if, if these breakout years might be worth more than in the past because we've seen it in the past. There's no doubt about it. But we've also seen that with the year before where there was just, you know, terrible. <laughs> so we don't know what 2020 would have been. So maybe those, uh, you know, another guy that comes to mind is uh, Jose Miranda over there in the, the Twins organization. You know, take a chance on these guys. What do you have to lose, right? I mean, of course, you, you might get burned. Um, and with Volpe, you might get burned a ton. But let's not forget Volpe was a first-round pick. So, I mean, there's yeah. some bits there as well. But uh, may, I think you're right. I think it's worth taking a chance on some of these pop-up guys. Um, all right. I think, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the, the Rangers a little bit more, but since I have you guys on, I think it's time to get over to your system. I apologize to the Rangers fans. Um, a lot of great prospects to talk about here. I mean, we didn't get to Josh Smith, Justin Foscue, Cole Wynn, some really decent guys. Um, but let me take a break right now. And uh, when we come back, it's time for you guys to steal the show and, and convince me on which prospect I should take from your system. So um, we'll be right back after this. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are back, and it is time to go to court. Bum, 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 bum. I really should have that as a cue in, but um, yeah, we don't we don't have the budget for those fancy drops yet. <laughs> so we'll get there one day, boys. All right, welcome back to Futures Focus. Um, we are here with Andrew, Jeremy, and Michael talking about the rest of the AL West, and uh, we're going to do some debating here now, and. I don't think it's fair to debate who has the best prospect because in reality, we all would agree that Julio Rodriguez <laughs> is amazing and we need to talk about him. I would it'd be an injustice <laughs> if we didn't, but uh, Julio is awesome. Um, just really quickly. Is he your number one overall prospect? That's what I want to know. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Yes, he is. Uh, I believe that his ability to hit uh, over Bobby Witt Jr. long term and his underrated athleticism. Like, I think he's going to get 20 steals and when he's young. So I, I would put rank him ahead. And then when he's in his prime, you know, like I'm seeing like a first first round talent each year, like a poor, man, poor man's Juan Soto type of player. 
I don't know how much poor that is, but <laughs> I will take that. Um, all right. Anybody want to <laughs> give me the wit over Julio? I have Rutschman. Rutschman? What? Yeah. I David. All right. Why watch why Rutschman over Julio? I think getting a catcher, uh, you got a fantastic catcher, and then a, a decent hitter at catcher is so valuable. I mean, just not just in fantasy, but in um, real life. You know, that position is generally dead weight on a team in a lineup. And I have a good hitter. Like we have a we have Max Stassi, and he just developed out of nowhere. And that just deepens your lineup so much. And it, it just does wonders. I just think it's it's so impactful. So, I mean, do you think Adley was going to DH on his, like, off days and stuff? Um, well, with that lineup, definitely. But um, yeah, that's true. With may, in a deeper lineup, maybe not. But that's I, I think that's that's fine because, you know, you. I, I just don't know what it would have to be based on the composition of the lineup, really. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy, and what do you have as your number one? Yeah, I've got Julio. Um, it just you just got more tools uh, all around, in my opinion. Um, but actually, I think I would go Rutschman two and Wit three. So I'm gonna kind of agree a little bit on the Rutschman, not having him at one, but I I, I would go him too. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm a Wit guy. I definitely have Wit number one. Um, I love my middle infielders, and uh, you guys are forgetting the fact that Witt's going to steal 20 bases. Uh, well, let's talk about that, Michael. How many stolen bases do you think Julio's going to get on average uh, when he gets to the bigs? You know best. Um, in his When he's coming up in his early 20s, early mid-20s, I think he's going to get 15 steals mm-hmm. per season for about five years. Mm-hmm. With a yeah. with a much better batting average or in on base percentage, and I yeah. suspect that's where I have him too, and that's why I I love Wit um, as the guy that's gonna you know I think the home runs are close. You're right. I think the average and on base percentage for Julio, but I think the stolen base and the fact that I can put him at shortstop is is fantastic. But interesting, the Rutschman. I did not expect to have a Rutschman over Julio debate. Um, that's fantastic. I do understand the catcher. Um, it's so valuable, and I just I can't even remember the first time the catcher went in the first round of like a redraft league. So if Rutschman gets to that point, then watch out. It's just I have trouble thinking he's going to get to that point as a first round talent because who like you just said, Michael. I mean, Julio's a first round talent. I mean, he's about as close to a a sure thing as we've seen in a long, long time. Um, and that's crazy to say because he's you know. 20, 21 years old. It's absolutely nuts. So, um, yeah, we talked Julio. We had to talk Julio. There's no doubt about it. And uh, now I don't have to have the awkward question of saying, hey, uh, Andrew, uh, who's better, Reed Detmers or Julio Rodriguez? You know, you're number one. Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> I will save you save you the trouble. Honestly, it's going to be difficult to even do the Mariners' second prospect to anybody else. But I do think we have a little bit of a compelling case. Um, and uh, Noelle Marte at number two for the Mariners, Michael. Uh, a lot of people love this guy, and some people are not quite ready to put him on that pedestal yet. Um, and uh, this is where our, our first debate will kind of come into play. Um, Tyler Soderstrom, tier one player for you. 
Jeremy. I agree. I think he is fantastic. I got to see him live here in, in Rancho Cucamonga, and he had a, uh, a grand slam. Um, looked awesome. Actually, didn't look bad behind the plate. I don't know. Maybe uh, you can give your thoughts on that, too. But uh, let's compare Noelle Marte to Tyler Soderstrom. I, I think most people here would probably you know take Marte. But convince me otherwise, Jeremy, that uh, Soderstrom is pretty darn close. Yeah, I um, I don't I, I don't think I can win this debate saying he's going to be Noelle, but I will stick up for Tyler. Um, he is I think his bat is further ahead than the than the defense, which is pretty normal. I mean, it does take catchers a little longer to develop, um, but um, I mean, the bat really honestly could play anywhere. Um, and you know, eventually the A's may decide, hey, let's get the bat to the majors and find him a place to play in the field later. Um, but I mean, this is a guy in his first, really in his first uh, introduction into professional baseball, hit and hit well. I mean, he had ISO of 261, Wobe of uh, 416. I mean, those are excellent, especially for a guy that was playing young for the level. So, I mean, think about those numbers. And then if he can keep eligibility, I mean, that's pretty elite numbers at, like you said, a position that, you know, it's hard to get those kind of numbers from. So that would be my argue for Mr. Tyler Soderstrom. I mean, if we're going to use the Adley argument, if somehow Soderstrom can stay at catcher, I think you might have an argument there. But, Michael, let's go ahead and put him in his place because I think we already know who won this one. Because, it's, I mean, this is a softball <laughs> for you, Michael. Noel Marte, what do you got for us? Well, I'll start by saying I am a big Soderstrom fan as well. I do think he has the potential to be the number one catcher in fantasy leagues before he graduates. Uh, so it is it is close. I think it's the position. Like all the things that you, the reasons that you like Bobby Witt or the reasons to like Noelve, I still think there's room for him to grow more power. He'll probably slow down a little bit as he gets older, but you know, the, the shortstop young for level produced, you know, and it has more room to grow from here. And I think he'd be the number one prospect in a lot of systems. I am on the cautious side, I guess, for a Mariners fan, just because, uh, I do see the upside for him to be like the number one prospect in baseball, but I also think we're giving it to him a little bit before he's earned it. I think it's more projection still than actual tool. I mean, then, yeah, I mean, it's basically we're, we're it's like Luciano last year, different type of player, but people were putting him up there. And then there's still a possibility he could drop down is all I'm saying. He's not like a for sure thing locked in top prospect going forward there's a possibility of, of struggles. That would be the argument against him. I guess I mean, I tried to make the argument against Noel in this one. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I, I, you're you're making a great point, though. I mean, that's the the downside for every Julio Rodriguez that we, we get on early. There's a bunch of know, like hundreds of guys that just don't even come close to, to getting to that spot. And you, you do risk that with the Welby Marte. And of course you risk that with Soderstrom too. Let's not act like Soderstrom is this can't miss guy. He's a 20 year old who hasn't got above low a yet. Um, so they're both sort of risky. So when you take that into consideration, I think that's important too. All right, let's head on to the, uh, to the rubber right now. Um, the Mariners have a bunch of pitching prospects, some already in the, the majors that we probably won't get to today. And of course there are other two major minor league prospects, Emerson Hancock and George Kirby, although you also put Matt Brash in here too. And I want to ask you about that in a little bit about that order, but let's start with the angels because uh, the angels know pitching. Well, 
They they haven't in the past, I suppose. They know pitching is what they need, is what I should say. <laughs> and they've acquired a bunch. One guy that they've required um, a few years ago here now is Reed Detmers, who's already made his major league debut. And I was um, interested in the uh, how close he is to tier one. Uh, I think he's pretty close for me. I wouldn't even have blinked an eye, I don't think, if you managed to put him into tier one. So start with that, and then um, we'll compare George Kirby to Reed Detmers and see how close those two are. So, Andrew, what, uh, Reed Detmers, how close to Tier 1? Well, if we didn't have the all-star uh, expectation, um, I probably would p- uh, give him Tier 1 because I think he's a number three starter at the big league level. I think that's actually, like, that's pretty safe to me. Um, you know, they somebody who compared him to said that he was a uh, better version of Andrew Heaney, which is just a better version of being inconsistent, right? And because everybody was thinking Andrew Heaney was going to break out for the longest time, never did, but that's kind of the same role. I feel like Reed Detmers, I think he's going to be a better version of that. I think he's going to be good number three starter. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot of safety here. You know, he's got great um, secondary stuff with, both breaking balls, slider and curveball, are exceptional. Uh, his sat fastball needs some command tunement because he's he got hit way too hard at the major league level because he was leaving it all over the plate because that's what got him through the minors. Like minor league caters just couldn't handle him. And then uh, you know George Kirby, I think is is pretty. I don't think as the number three starter. What do you think, Michael? What is his ceiling? Me personally, I'm a I'm a huge George Kirby fan. I've been on him for a long time. I guess since he got drafted, just because I'm I'm so into the guys with command and control. And then once he added the velocity and he can get up to like triple digits now, and maintain that. I mean, I hate to put an ace uh, upside on any pitcher, but at least a number two. You know, I mean, I I do think he has more upside than than Reed Detmers. Yeah, I mean. Uh... You're kind of you're depressing me a little bit there with the number three. I mean, nothing wrong with the number three. The strikeout potential is kind of what has locked me into Reed Detmers because he was striking out everybody. But yes. it sounds like that might have just been he was just more advanced than those hitters that he was facing. And uh, we saw it in the big leagues, right? He didn't kind of he got off to a little rough start. But so the stri- the strikeouts will be there. It's just he's got to be more careful with where he leaves the pitches because his fastball is just it's it's not George Kirby's. And the fastball, it's still your best, everybody's best pitch, at, or it's still the most important pitch for everybody. You got to have one, otherwise nothing really work. Things don't really work. Yeah. All right. I think those were two. I mean, I don't even need to really judge those. Those were like the test runs. Now I have a genuine question because I don't know the answer to this question. Um, and you guys probably know your guys the best. So 2021, we had a, a draft and you each had some very intriguing prospects. So tell me about those first round players that you selected um, in your organizations. We'll start with you, Jeremy, and uh, convince me that you guys had the best pick out of the three teams that we have here. You're talking first round. So Max Muncy, right? Sure. If you want to put Gail off there, because I know you have him ahead, feel free. But yeah, Muncie or um, or anyone else that you think is the okay. best. Yeah, um, you know, Max Muncie being the first round pick, um, I'm going to be partial to him for one major reason. 
he's a Razorback. I'm a Razorback guy. Oh, he was going to be a Razorback. I'm sorry. They, he's got him away. Um, you know, he's got the potential to have 50 grade tools across the board. Super young. I mean, we're just not really going to know much. I mean, he played in the ACL this year. So it's it, it would be hard for me to argue Muncie um, too, too much right now, um, just because we don't have a lot of data on him yet against professional level pitching. Um, Galof, though, as you see, I do have him too. Um, I like what I've seen so far in Galof. When he came out of college, he was kind of like known to be a power bat guy. Um, but he, what he's done so far has been near elite at getting on base through the minors. Um, he even had a little um, call up at the end of the year. Uh, I guess so he got a few at-bats at AAA due to some injuries, and it didn't slow him down. Um, so I'm actually really, really on board with Zach Galof. Um, funny story, a guy in my Dynasty League read my um, article before our fantasy draft and sniped me on him and took him with the 15th pick. So note to uh, people, don't read, don't read your, don't tell everybody about your articles before your uh, first year player drafts. All right, Andrew, I'm assuming you're going with Bachman there. Um, of course. Why is, why is he the guy? Uh, I like, I just talked about with a fastball. I think he's got a great fastball and um, he did pretty well even before he'd gotten to the angels kind of uh think tank who, I mean, we've seen Reed Detmers, we've seen Griffin Canning both recently gain like three to four miles per hour on the fastball and got more consistent with it. And I think as he goes through, he'll, he'll definitely get better with his with uh, his velocity and consistency there. And I think he's got a dynamite slider, just amazing. And, you know, they, that third pitch, I think he'll figure it out. And I think he can be a, a great starter long term. I think he, he could be better than even Reed Detmers could long term. Okay, all right. Uh, Michael, I was leaning towards your guy, although I think some people are thinking prep catcher. Yeah, right. I'm not going to waste my time on him. I'm in a first-year player draft. It's going to take too long. But I was leaning towards Harry Ford. What do you think? Can you convince me? Yeah, I mean, I'm typically with you on catchers, especially prep catchers, you know, just having to wait a long time. But this is a guy who has rare tools. He has plus power and plus speed at this point. And his athleticism should allow him to transition off the position. Uh, I've already heard some people within the organization talking about second and third base. Um, not that it's it's a going to happen for sure, but he has that athletic ability to pull that off. I just really like him as a hitter. And, and I basically think he's worth taking a stab at in, in first-year player drafts in He's already a top 100 prospect for me overall, and someone I expect to keep rising up lists. Uh, I think that him having the catcher tag next to his name right now could actually be a blessing in disguise for those who, you know, because some people do uh, knock catchers in fantasy. So I, I think there's a 50-50 chance he could move off the position and 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 just be a really good second baseman or third baseman. That's interesting. That's that's really interesting. <laughs> the fact that he might not stay at, at catcher. What do you think? Just I know this is a little bit on the spot, but gut instinct of chances that he stays behind the plate. For me, I think his bat will be too good. I think they're going to end up wanting to move him off the position. I don't think they want to risk the injury long term. 
All right, those are those. I don't know who I would. I think I, I'm leaning towards uh, Sam Bachman, to be honest. I like what you were saying about him and the fact that that fastball's there. I mean, that that's the kind of the unteachable part. But these guys are really, really good. Um, I, I can't wait for more first year player drafts. Like you said, you already had yours. I haven't had mine yet. I'm I'm very intrigued to where you can get these guys. I feel like they might even creep into the second round in some drafts. And um, Bachman's going good. lower. I yeah. I, you could definitely get him later on. Good. Oh, wow. I mean, good targets. I mean, and I was looking at some, uh, I mean, we're not going to talk about cards for too much, but uh, Sam Bachman's <laughs> first first Bowman autos are, are dirt cheap right now. Of course, it's a pitcher, but still, um, with the, the upside you have for him, um, he's very intriguing. All right. So uh, I'll give that one to you, Andrew. Well done. Well done. I mean, Michael's going to win all of these ones just because <laughs> the system's so good. But... Um, <laughs> Let's go on. I wanted to get to these teenagers. Um, and and I, I'll be honest, I don't know a, a bunch about, I hardly know the teenagers in my system. Like I, I, there's just not a lot of video that you can get. There's not live games you can watch. Um, you, you see videos that they want you to see a lot of the times. I mean, I, for the Padres, Victor Acosta, the only video I had for months at a time was his like professionally done video of himself just with all this swag and so it was just like oh my god this guy's awesome but i really didn't know much about him um so i'm hoping to get some insight from you so uh i'll give you a few names so michael i'm looking at gabriel gonzalez a 17 year old outfielder who was in the rookie uh dominican summer league um for you uh jeremy you have pedro pineda who i'm very interested in i know a little bit about but also an 18 uh, or an 18 year old in the acl and Denzer Guzman, who all the way up at number five for this this Angel system, um, very interesting to see that name up there, a 17-year-old rookie shortstop. So let's start with you, Andrew, and uh, and tell me about Denzer Guzman. Yeah, he's uh, he he's comes with a reputation of being a um, a good hitter first, rather than uh, well, obviously he's he's a little smaller, but. He he's a good hit, better hitter than he is. He's hit over power rather than power over hit, as many uh, in the Angels farm system have been lately. You know, I speak of uh, Jeremiah Jackson for for instance. Um, and he's he's athletic enough to stick it short, um, but that's that's really what he is. He's just young. He needs to add weight, add size. But I think he's going to be overall a great player. All right, let's go with Jeremy and Pedro Pineda. Yeah, so um, the word that I most often when I was reading uh, reports on him uh, to describe his tools were explosive. And, I mean, he's fast. He's got a good bat, decent um, decent hit tool. Um, you know, he he's raw. I mean, just like all these guys, they're raw. So, I mean, tools are great. Um, but until, you know, you see those tools translate to on the field, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, go all in on these guys. But, um, like I said, in my write up, Pineda is probably the rawest of all the young guys in Oakland system. But at the end of the day, he probably has highest ceiling. Um, and he has a decent chance to stick in center field. So you get those kind of numbers in center field and that makes you pretty excited. And then Michael Gabriel Gonzalez. I don't know much about this guy. You have him at number nine, still in that tier three range. No, tier two for you actually. So you should be uh, you should be winning this argument again. Let's see if you can bring it home with Gabriel Gonzalez, outfielder. 
Well, I'll just try right off the bat. I've seen people, credible people, call him Julio Rodriguez Light. So oh, he's the next okay. in line. You guys line. lose. <laughs> Moving on. No, I'm just kidding, Michael. He's the Go next ahead. in line with kind of high-level international prospects. The Mariners seem to be having a little pipeline of those coming through in recent years, and he basically stood out statistically, and from the things I read from different scouts, they really like him as well. He seems well-rounded, you know, good hit tool, should have power. He's grooming already. You know, he's probably going to be about a six-foot, 185-pound type guy, uh, athletic, strong, you know, and um, the reason I like him, you know, I look at a lot of these Dominican summer league players like throughout the season, and he kept popping up on a lot of my lists, my OPS lists and different things like that. And his ability to make contact with with his plus bat speed and patience, and these are all like signs I look for in top prospects. So that's why I felt comfortable putting him up that high, even in the stack system. Wow. I mean, you put a Julio Rodriguez into the argument. I think Michael knows how to win these pretty well because I'm. Yeah, how do we compete with that? Yeah. I'm going to go uh, get some Gabriel Gonzalez, some G-Gon. I love it. Um, uh, we're going to take just a second here because I, I've been meaning to ask you this almost from the beginning. Um, Jeremy, your system. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen a system that goes into tier four with the 11th prospect on your list. So, uh, that's pretty crazy to me. What's, what's the deal? Just what's the deal? Well, you know, our tier system in tier three, they have to have that as average expectation of making the majors and being a solid contributor. And these guys, I mean, down here in tier four, I mean, you look at some of the names and yeah, I mean, there's some names down here that really could jump, but I mean, by our criteria, they're just, I can't say that they have an average expectation of being somebody who's going to, you know, be a solid contributor. Um, you know, there's some guys down here that I like, but are they top 200, 250 prospects? No. Are they even in the top 300? No. So, you know, yes, the system's light. Um, but with all the rumors that the A's are going to sell, maybe the system will look a little better in a couple of months. So, you know, maybe number 11 won't be starting in tier four soon, hopefully. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, let's continue on with our uh, our court trial here. I want to talk about some guys that have not reached the expectations. and. There's three names that sort of they're all again, they're all over the map here and in, in what maybe you guys would value them, not in your system. Um, but with you, Andrew, I'm looking at Jordan Adams, who has been high on this list, I'm sure, for a while because we were dreaming on the talent. Uh, it just hasn't really matured and it's been kind of just ugly stat lines throughout the last couple of years. So um, Jordan Adams for you. Um, Jeremy, AJ Puck. I mean, uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on AJ Puck. And uh, for you, Michael, I didn't really have a guy that like I, I had huge expectations for. I suppose I'll put Emerson Hancock there because, um, you know, in 2020, getting the sixth overall pick to see him behind Brash and to see him behind George Kirby, maybe not the worst spot to be, but six was, was kind of low, uh, lower than I would have thought Hancock would have been. So that could be your guy. I know kind of setting 
the other two up for failure by giving you Hancock and the other two Adams and Puck. But we'll start with you, Michael. Maybe if you go first, then you can screw it up. But uh, Hancock, um, down at six, a little disappointing or um, just too many good guys ahead of him? Yeah, I think it's a combination. I'm so high on George Kirby as a pitching prospect. And then Matt Brash is, you know, the biggest riser in the system for me this year. And like I talked about Terry Ford, I'm really high on him as well. But Hancock, um, he has all the stuff you want from a pitcher, you know, all the different pitches. And it's just the ability to stay healthy at this point. It's been two straight years where he's had to battle through arm fatigue and he's never got his innings up. And basically they were babying him last year, you know, in, in short stints. And he was solid, but he, he wasn't even dominant in that setting. So I guess I'm just being a little cautious with him. Uh, I still view him as a as a very good pitching prospect. And, you know, I'd put him right back up there near the top if he shows the, the improvements that I'm looking for. Fair enough. What do you think, Jeremy, about A.J. Puck? Well, I mean, injuries, that's the biggest thing with him. I mean, the guy just can't can't stay healthy. I mean, you know, what's not to love about a six foot seven lefty with a fastball slider combo? That's pretty nasty. But I mean, you know, he's, he's got to be on the mound. And that's the biggest thing is you just can't stay healthy. I mean, it's, it's hard to get any kind of consistency uh, for this guy with the injury history that he's had. I really think the big thing for uh, Puck is in 2022, we've just got to see him get on the mound and got to see him stay healthy so the A's can even evaluate what, what they have. I mean, the, I don't think they even know if there's a starter profile left in this guy. Probably not the injury history, but I mean, he, you know, he could be a pretty dominant reliever if he can get it, if, if he can get it figured out. Um, something interesting uh, when I was writing up my system, I, I saw a video where they, they showed uh, clips of puck from this year and about oh, halfway through the season, he uh, did an arm slot change to his delivery. So he dropped it like four to six inches. So he's kind of coming more like three quarters ish now. Um, and he looked a lot more comfortable and that slider had a little more, uh, you know, cross the zone bite. So that could be something. Um, but again, I think the hope with puck probably best case scenario is that he, that fastball slider can play up in shorter bursts coming out of the bullpen and, and, and maybe be an eighth inning guy, maybe ninth inning guy, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, again, injuries, it's tail. It's the story of pitchers, I guess. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Jordan Adams over there for you, Andrew. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's done a lot of swing changes. He's struggled with breaking balls, but, um, I'm hoping with him that with the new system that we have in place with, um, as our new GM has started transitioning out the guys from the old, um, from Billy Epler's, uh, crew that he gets to be in a more comfortable position and they, they stop messing with the swing so much and just let him be comfortable out there. Uh, cause I think that could help him in terms of, uh, contact getting, making contact because when he makes contact, it's good contact. But he just he struggled to make it. And then, um, you, yeah, like just normal young player that hasn't really seen a ton of action because of in high school, he really wasn't he he was more of a football player than a baseball player. And then um, he missed a year for covid. He missed a big portion of this last year with an injury uh, with I think it was a hamstring. I'm not 100 percent sure what injury he actually missed it with, but he missed a hor- huge portion of this year with an injury um, and that he just 
he needs more reps, but he also needs to be comfortable with his swing. Man, that he possesses the things I want for fantasy. Yeah. Asset. Uh, and I gave the other two pitchers, um, one with an injury history that might be a reliever. <laughs> um, I think obviously I think Hancock's still the guy of those three names yeah. I mentioned, but man, Jordan Adams, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, like you said, he, he turns it around and becomes the, you know, the Joe Adele of this system, um, which I, that I didn't mean to bring this up, but I, I'm just super curious on what you think Joe Adele is going to do for the angels um, in 2022. 2022. I think he's going, he, he's going to figure it out. Like make no mistake. He's going to figure it out. Um, 2022, I could see him, if he gets to 800 OPS, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine. Um, if he's in the mid 700s, perfectly fine in the OPS wise. Um, and I think that's probably where he's, he'll end up maybe 850 to, or eight, 750 to 800. I think that's where he'll probably end up with OPS. And I think that's fine. I think that's, um, more than play. But after that, I think as time goes on, he's just going to get better and better. Like even last year when he was playing in the big leagues, um, he was hitting for contact and everything. He just, the power didn't show up. And we know that the power is going to be there. But, but I mean, that's his calling card. So I, I think he's just fine. Um, what did, what did I hear? Eric Longenhagen still has a 60 on him at least. Future value. So if that tells you anything, he's still great in his mind. All right, Jeremy, I got an interesting question for you. I come at you in this dynasty okay. league, your standard dynasty league. You can have one of Joe Adele or Noel V. Marte. Who do you want? Who? Joe Adele. Joe Adele. What about you, it's Michael? Close. It's close. I agree. I would take Joe Adele. Wow. I think he oh, yeah. the, the signs at the end of last year that Andrew were talking about. I think this is a great time to get him in Dynasty. All right. What about Julio or Joe? No, I would take Julio. We'd all take Julio still? At this moment, yes. Andrew, how close is it? Uh, I, it's not that close, but it's, it's not that close. yeah, it's not that close, but it's not far. It's not like a gigantic gap, but it's not close enough where I really debate it. Agreed. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, the, those are so hard for me because mm-hmm. you see a guy come up and just, eh, you know, I mean, what I had him at number two at one point on my top 100 list, Joe yeah. Adele. And it, it seems like as soon as they graduate and then they don't have success, you forget about them. <laughs> um, terrible. That I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, it just you failure uh, blocks you in people's minds and it's just, it's weird, especially in this game, because people could have failures three months into the season, starting three months into the season, and people would be fine with them. But if you start off like that, you're you're bad, right? You're bad to them. Yeah. I wanted to mention this earlier. I think Josh Young is going to fall into that category. I know we don't need to go back to the Rangers, but to me, Josh Young, or, you know, another one is Andrew Vaughn, where, like, they, they were so hyped up. They came up, they didn't do well, and not mm-hmm. to say Josh Young's not going to do well, but let's say he hits that 260 with 23 home runs or something. You know, that that's when you get them, you know? You, you can't go out and get these guys now, you know? If you tried to get no. Julio Rodriguez right now, <laughs> I, 
you know, what do you need? <laughs> Julio, Acuna, Soto, like those types of guys. Um, yeah. But to get Joe Adele, like I think you could go get Joe Adele right now and um, yep. and get a steal. Just it, those guys, and maybe Bobby Witt falls into that too, where we kind of lose the shine on Witt. I mean, one of the reasons we play Dynasty, right, is so we can involve the prospects. And so when they're not prospects anymore and they're not doing well at the major league level, yep. there is so much value there. The, I mean, football yep. stole that post-hype sleeper thing, right? But uh, I think baseball is very much, <laughs> very much present. Um, all right. I have a, a next question for you guys. And, um, I, you know, I'm going to give you time to prep. What I want you to do is pick a guy we have not mentioned. And it, it, we can't like for you, Michael, we've talked about Hancock. We've talked about Brash. We've talked about I mean, we didn't really talk about Brash. I know, but you can't use him. <laughs> so anybody that we have not mentioned in your systems right now that you think uh, is the guy compared to the other two systems. So um, it could be anybody. It, it could be a guy that's even a little bit lower, maybe uh, in your tier four list. I know for Jeremy, that's a lot of the rest of his system. But um, <laughs> hey, Brett Honeywell Jr. Did I miss that? When did you get Brett Honeywell? Anyway, <laughs> oh, I'll save that for the Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally had no idea he was with the A's. I, I That's awesome. Um, Pick your guy. We'll start with you, Andrew, if you're ready. Um, a guy we haven't mentioned yet that is the best prospect left on the board, per se. Um, best prospect left on the board that we haven't talked about, and I've said it a number of times, is Kyron Paris. Obviously, he's number three in mine, but um, this dude is fantastic. Like, there was... He basically spent what was it like a month in low A or in low A and was and this was in between injuries like he he spent um like two weeks and then got injured and then spent another two weeks got in and then was moved up to high A at 19. This kid um I remember watching a series against the Mariners in which Kyron Paris went hit for hit with Novelli Marte. Now he doesn't have the power that Novelli has. Um, but he has game breaking speed, game breaking speed. There were so many times where I would, I would be like, Oh, that's a double. No, he's standing up on at third on, as a triple. Just, just, he was amazing. Um, I think what he needs to do is just make sure he gets to the breaking balls better. Um, and if he gets past low or high, a, I think he's got a fantastic shot to be, to be a major, be in the majors. I think he's just, he's going to be a, Especially with the rule changes coming, I think he's going to be somebody you guys want to, you you'll want to pick up for the steals. Yeah, 20 years old still, only a great great pick there. Um, Jeremy, who do you got as your guy? Uh, guy, I have I actually have him at number eight. So you would it sounds maybe a little bit lower to say he's my guy, but I honestly thought about driving him higher up my list. I am big on on Colin Palouse, and I really hope I said the last name right. But it's P-E-L-U-S-E. Um, I really, really, really like Colin a lot. Um, his numbers, I, on the write-up, I did a really interesting uh, comparison that I saw where I compared him and Quinn Priester's numbers from um, from high A last summer. And they are almost identical. Now, obviously, 
Clint Priester is a consensus top 100 guy. I'm not arguing that Colin Palouse is a top 100 guy. But when you have numbers that are similar, if not arguably better in some areas, than a top 100 guy, he, uh, that should get your attention. Um, and like I said in my introduction to my write-up, I'm kind of like a video guy. So like I like to look at the numbers and, and kind of go from there, but then I like to watch video. If you watch Colin Palouse on the mound, he just looks like the guy. I mean, he just looks confident. He's, I mean, he's up there pumping. He's 6'3", 230. So you don't have any worry about his size being able to hold up to like a workload over a season. The delivery is repeatable. He has plus command. I mean, there's just a lot to like here. And I honestly think he's a guy that it's going to be fun to watch this year as you spend some time in double A. If the numbers stay where they're at, I mean, this guy's going to jump. And, and and jump pretty fast. So that that's the guy that I really kind of want to plant my my flag on, I'd say. Love it. Great, great choice. Um, and then what about you over there in Seattle, Michael? So uh, I have multiple choices I could go with with Seattle because the deep system. Uh, I do want to quickly mention Brandon Williamson just because he had such a great season last year. But from a fantasy perspective, a player I'm very high on is Jonathan Classe. And the reason being is because he has plus plus speed and when i look at all the scouting grades with players he's also got an above average hit tool so players with that level of speed with a with a real hit tool could turn into fantasy gold he's already started to develop power a little bit and he's grown a lot since he signed so i'm very intrigued by him if he if he shows the ability to hit a little bit better as he moves up the levels and adds more power I think he's going to be a, a really high top, like top 50 or even higher prospect. Oh, I love it. Those are some great names. I always love to hear those, you know, your guys, the my guys type of thing. So um, those are those are all interesting names and guys that, you know, I'm going to go. I don't think Paris is available in too many leagues, but, you know, that that Palouse thing is really interesting. Paris was a uh, when I last checked, he was available in a lot of leagues. Yeah, maybe he is. I'll have to go double check on some of my shallower leagues. Um, I, I like what you're saying about him. Um, all right, we'll we'll hit the last question here, and it's going to be kind of an explain yourself. I, I noticed one or two names on your guys's list that, um, not to say that I know anything <laughs> about your guys's list compared to you guys, but that I was surprised to see as low as they were. Um, so we'll start with you. Um, Andrew, and I can't believe you have him down at number 38. This is a, a guy to me that's a fantasy gold mine if things work correctly, and we just haven't seen a lot of him as he was recently drafted. That's David Calabrese, an outfielder with insane wheels. Um, to me, like I was thinking Corbin Carroll light uh, when he was first drafted. I mean, I was super high on him, and to see him at number 38 is super depressing for me. So what's going on with Mr. Calabrese? I guess you could call this uh, bias against the Northerners because like he's his biggest thing is he was a hit and a, a speed guy and he he just didn't look like he was very good at hitting in the uh, or at least not to the caliber of some of the uh, guys up above him hitting in in the pros. I I think that's basically the biggest factor is he just didn't hit and that's what hit, hit, that's what his calling card was, is hitting. Didn't hit. Yeah, he didn't hit at all. <laughs> was so, 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 no I mean, he was so young. I still, 
I, you know, I have a guy like him in the Padres, uh, and we'll get to that later, but uh, the speed is just, he's going to get every chance for me as a guy that I'm going to, you know, n- not give up on because of that, we- the, the wheels. Yeah. I, um, and, and to be perfectly honest about the system, I may, I put tier five at a certain place, but I could very well have moved tier four or tier five down. This, this system is deep with guys that are like not fantastic, but guys you could see be a major leaguer or guys that you could see yeah, be like be a reliever for a year or two. So I just want to make that very clear. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. That's a good point. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Jeremy, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, Robert Paulson. Uh, no, I saw him play. Uh, I, I totally agree with you having him as low. You know, I almost even put him lower than 16. But with this system, I don't know. Maybe you can't. Um, but we're going to talk about <laughs> one of one of my guys, okay? And, I, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know Hudson Head is my guy. But the my guy before my guy is number 43 on your list. I absolutely loved him when he got drafted, which was now like five years ago. Um, but he really hasn't done anything to, uh, to just like totally write him off. And that's Austin Beck. Um, he's sort of more from a five tool monster, which I thought he was going to be when he was drafted into like this defensive wizard, but he's chugging along 23, but, uh, Oakland athletics 43 for my guy, Austin Beck. What are you doing? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, um, I'm a little concerned anytime I see a guy in high a, um, that's striking out 34% of the time. Um, so that's, that was really the big, the big driving thing for me. Um, he did play a little triple A this year. I know it was only 20 at bats, but he struck out almost 60% of the time there too. The swinging strike rate is not great. I just really worry about his, uh, his, his plate discipline. Um, you know, he's a guy easily that could turn it all around and jump up. I think there are two guys in my system that I think that the, the, lack of a season 2020 hurt and he probably is number one as far as who it hurt the most i just think he lost some developmental time and he's just he's just struggling to get back up uh so that that that's the, the k rate is really what 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 scared me off and had and put him lower Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he's no longer my guy for sure, but um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that strikeout rate was that high, but defensively he's been great. I've heard some great things about his defensive work, which is very key in fantasy. Right? <laughs> very. Um, you know what? I, the, I, the other two had obvious names for me and, you know, Austin Beck's kind of a, just a, a poking fun. Um, but I don't, I don't see too many guys. Uh, Sam Carlson was the one, that uh, I've seen a lot of, you know, high strikeout rates for him. Um, and some people really have put him high on uh, on Mariner's list, but you have him quite low. Um, so I want to, I guess that would be my guy for you, Michael Sam Carlson at number 29. Well, I agree. When I was doing this list, he was a player that I had considered ranking a little bit higher. Uh, the reason I didn't was just because the, coming back from the injuries, and uh, just not pitching competitively since 2017. So I was just basically being conservative with him overall. I do think he could work his way up the system and in, in this ranking could look a little ridiculous if he's actually healthy going forward. 
So I guess, um, yeah, I mean, that would be my case for him. Yeah, uh, that's always a good a good case, to be honest with pitchers. Um, all right, gentlemen, I think we did a good job. Um, you know, I, I put Jeremy and Andrew in a tough spot trying to compete with, you know, Julio Rodriguez and Noel V. Marte. Not too many systems to go up, you know, punch for punch with that system. Um, I'm really impressed, Jeremy, with the Oakland A's. I think there's some stuff here. Um, I'm just... I guess I have just, I don't know how it got to this. Like, why is their system so shallow? Like, I don't see them trading all these guys away. I don't see a bunch of young guys that have just recently come up. Um, why don't they have more prospects? <laughs> like, honestly. I think what you, I think when you look at the A system, the thing that stands out is like you, the, the guys that are, that are probably their better prospects right now are more from the 2020 and 2021 groups, like their international and their drafts. If you go like in the mid year, if you look in the drafts, like, you know, three and four years back, they've just missed a lot on those first round guys, whether it be, they just weren't who they thought they were maybe, or the develop, you know, something fell apart in the developmental system. I think that's the biggest thing with them is there's just been some misses in a few for the, for a few years. And, it looks like they're starting to turn that around. I mean, you know, you're seeing like Soderstrom, you know, he was he was a 2020 guy and Galo was a 2021 guy. And, um, you know, Pineda was, and, and was a recent international guy. So I, I think it's just been bad luck, maybe a combination of bad luck and some developmental issues, I guess. But I think the hope is 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 there. Uh, just unfortunately that they're lacking those top tier guys because they've had so many swing and misses lately. You know, as a uh, National League guy, although I live here in California, I think the A's always try to be so cute. They're always so smart. And I feel like they just tried to get, True. oh, we know the draft better than everybody. Watch this. Well, you know, and it just came back to bite. But I'm sure that's not right at all. But <laughs> anyway, um, and then Andrew, your system there in, in Anaheim, uh, great depth. I think that was a, it's a thing that like you look at this list and I think a lot of our readers actually might do this to be honest, which you shouldn't do because we spend so much time on this list, but they'll say, Oh no, tier one, this system sucks. But I think you gave a very compelling argument. The fact that the depth of this system is pretty darn elite. I mean, you're going down ways and still getting guys that are uh, potential um, impact fantasy players, let alone guys that are just, you know, major leaguers as well. So, um, I really like what you were saying about the angels. So um, we'll wrap it up here with uh, anything else you kind of want to add about the system. If there just is another guy we did not talk about, you just have to, or uh, just anything else to finish up. Um, the floor is yours. So uh, Andrew, anything else to add before we sign off? If you're picking up two guys, if you want two guys, pick up Edgar Quiero and Coleman Crow. Edgar Quiero is a catcher that they just got from Cuba last year. I love his swing from both sides. He's got a great, and he's really good behind the plate. He'll be, there's a good chance he can make it to the majors as a starting catcher. And Coleman Crow, he's a star, he was a starter for the All-Star, or the Fall Stars game, and he was the youngest player in, in the league. His fastball movement is elite, and I like his secondary pitch. I can't remember what I, off the top of my head what it was, but it was, it was really good. I think he's, He's got a good chance to be a major leaguer. Uh, get him a third pitch and a, and a little bit more command, and I think he'll he'll be a fine start in the uh, major leagues. Excellent. All right, Jeremy. Okay, so there's two guys I really like. Uh, you know, I already talked about Colin Palouse and how much I like him. But down at number 10, I have Jordan Diaz. He's a guy that I really think 
need to keep an eye on. Um, he was he was a 40 man roster addition, so the A's thought enough of what he did this year to even add him uh, to to their to their 40 man. Um, he's always kind of been known for having uh, great bat to ball skills, which I personally love in a prospect. But this year, uh, 2021, the, the power started to come, and he's starting to make harder contact um, and drive the ball more. But he's sacrificing that those strong contact skills so that's huge i mean he's keeping the contract uh, the contact skills and now starting to drive the ball harder the only concern with him uh he's listed at third base it's rough at third not not gonna lie uh, um so if he has to move across the diamond to first base it's gonna put a lot of pressure on that bat um but i, I he's a guy to watch so jordan diaz third base a's keep an eye on that guy awesome and then michael take us home Okay, uh, my favorite player that I didn't mention, I guess, is uh, Alberto Rodriguez. Uh, he quietly had a very nice season last year uh, in low A and high A. Uh, ended up with what, 10 home runs and 15 steals. Uh, he basically, when looking through all the prospects and all the different systems, I feel like he's mispriced at this moment. He's not valued properly. So I think he's a great dynasty target right now. Even if he doesn't become a star or anything, I still think he's going to be worth more six months from now than he is now. And an, another guy I'll mention is George Feliz. He has a lot of the tools that I look for in international players. He was a little older for the level at the Dominican Summer League last year, but he has he has a, a hit tool, plate discipline, speed, and he showed more power than anticipated. So he's another one that costs next to nothing in Dynasty right now that I could see moving up this list in the in the next year. Yeah, there's crazy how many teenagers there are. Right? I feel like it's more than ever that are in these just having fantastic debuts down in DCL or even ACL. So to see them in a full year is going to give us a lot of information. Some of them will, most of them probably will fall off, but they will be the next Wander or Julio that's going to come out of that group. So you got to nab them now. <laughs> Otherwise, it's far too late. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here again. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, listeners, if you have enjoyed this, the AL West, we have already done two episodes, the NL Central and the AL Central as well. So you can go back onto uh, wherever you're listening to this and, and listen to those as well. We're continuing on with our top 50 brigade uh, as we're trying to finish before the season starts, uh, hopefully starts, of course. And uh, we're heading to the NL and AL East. I think we'll do the AL East first. Um, those lists are being released now um, in the. Um, I'm sorry, the uh, NL East is probably what we'll go with first. The AL East is being released now, and the NL East is all released. And uh, that's my, you know, I'm a Braves fan, so I'm very excited to talk um, to some of those guys in there and then hate on some of the other teams um, that did not win the World Series in our division because none of them did, and the Braves did. So they can all suck. <laughs> anyway, this is Futures Focus. I'm Alex Sanchez. Follow all those guys on Twitter. Follow Prospects 1500 on Twitter. Check out those sites. There's so much going on, even though uh, baseball seems like it's so far away. This is the this is like our mid-season, if you will, getting these top 50 lists. So appreciate the support. Thank you for your listening, and we will talk to you soon.